I essentially said to the transportation planner, look, the point here is to make sure that the street is safer for two schools. I'm not here to save a bike lane. So go find the truth and come back to me with the truth so we can know, you know, how best to serve the community. So why don't, you know what? Maybe you guys could just talk to each other. I like that dynamic. Okay. Um, do you want us to introduce ourselves first? Yeah, or, or I could, but yeah, with Terrence Houston yeah, we'll, and we'll, Scott we'll, Gamza. Yeah. Keep Rowena safe. Go. Um, Richard, hi. Um, hi, Nick. Uh, yes, I'm Terrence Houston, Keep Rowena safe. And uh, I started a blog called L.A. Bike Dad. And... Um, and as uh, I tried to navigate the city on my bike, uh, I started to uh, question why everything was so dangerous. And then there was a big brouhaha around the same time in Silver Lake over the Rowena Road diet. And I think where Scott and I um, hooked up and then started getting involved was we saw the opponents of the road diet had started a web and a petition to overturn the road diet. And it was so much obviously safer along that corridor and um, it had such more of a sense of community about the corridor, a sense of place, as opposed to something that you would simply speed through. Um, the road diet really made it feel like more of a, a place that you would want to spend time at or have a cup of coffee at, as opposed to just uh, speeding to the 5 freeway. Um, and so uh, we got together through a mutual friend, through, uh, through Jenny Chamberlain, and we all started to uh, figure out how to counter-program counter all the misinformation coming out of the anti-safety folks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah uh, just to choose myself, Scott Gamza, also from Keep Your Way Safe. Um, so, yeah, so um, it was pretty much after the town hall that was actually put on by the Civil Rights Neighborhood Council. Um, and they had actually, I think the council at the time was hoping to generate a lot of opposition to the road diet. Um, what came out of that meeting was about two-thirds of the people who attended were actually for the road diet. Um, now, I came to this um, prior to this. I had a son who was actually at Ivanhoe Elementary, which is right on Rowena, uh, now in front of the road diet. Um, and I would walk him to school every day. And there, at the time, we had two travel lanes of traffic in each direction, Cars were, like, speeding along there. Um, and we had, you know, there was a crossing guard, but still there were quite a few close calls. Um, when the road diet came in, I actually didn't quite understand the point of it. Um, it, it. You know, we had these bike lanes that were put in that were, you know, for the length of Rowena from Hyperion to Glendale to Glendale slash Lakewood, um, where they intersect. And that was not a very long stretch. So we were not quite sure why we were getting this. Um, and I was initially not particularly pro of the road diet. Um, as I saw how the road was actually functioning, um, how cars were moving less speed, there was less crazy speeding on the street that... Um, 
it was easier to cross. And then as I educated myself, learning particularly from that actually town hall where we learned from LA Dot, um, you know, some of the safety figures, how collisions were down, how um, injuries were down, um, how there were actually even more people riding bikes along that stretch, even though it was a very short stretch with a bike lane. Um, I sort of came around and uh, actually became very supportive. And uh, that's sort of where I, around the time I was introduced to Terrence, um, as we started to see that um, a group had sprung up, had sprung up um, calling themselves Safe, Safe Streets for Silver Lake. <laughs> so Orwellian. Which is a bit of an oxymoron, to say the least. Um, or not oxymoron, um, Big Brothers, I should say. Um, Orwellian. Um, in that their whole purpose was to undo the road diet um, under the guise of improving safety. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what they do, right? They call things, they call things like the Clean Air Act, you know, uh, or when they're trying to save polluters. Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they had a whole bunch of figures on their website stating that the road diet had made the streets more dangerous. And, you know, at the time, uh, we were just getting our feet wet in this sort of advocacy. Um, we knew that it felt safer. We knew that L.A. Dot had said it was safer. But now all these people were saying that L.A. Dot was lying and they were getting traction on social media. And so um, I will say, we, you know, at the time, you know, it was, it was very disappointing that the, the infrastructure of street safety outside of L.A. Dot, meaning like, you know, the LACBC or all of these other advocacy organizations weren't jumping into the void. Um, and later on, you know, we, we sort of learned that they just they don't really have the resources to make all. It's really for residents to get educated and to organize. And, and fight back against this. Um, so I actually, through a mutual friend, I got through Don, through Don Ward, you know, a safe streets advocate. Uh, I found a transportation planner, a professional transportation planner, who kindly uh, ran the Sweeters data. Familiar with it is the statewide integrated traffic something something. I don't remember the other two. Do you remember? Do you remember the other two letters of the? Of the acronym? Record system. Record system. So, so just to, if anybody's listening who is not familiar with how it works, when uh, there's a crash uh, severe enough for the police to come out, obviously they write up a police report, but then at the end of the year, that police report gets forwarded to a central database in Sacramento, um, by, and it's maintained by the California Highway Patrol, the CHP. So Switters has a record of all of the crash figures. But I would, we'd, we'd never heard of it before. We didn't know how to read it. And so we found a professional transportation planner to, to, to go do this research. And I essentially said to the transportation planner in our coffee, I said, look, the point here is to make sure that the street is safer for two schools. I'm not here to save a bike lane. I'm here to find out the truth so that we can make sure kids that live in our neighborhood are than they would otherwise be. So go find the truth and come back to me with the truth so we can know, you know, how best to serve the community. And he came back, and it was obvious 
that um, that Rowena was much safer. Um, what are the numbers at right now? I think that we have a net reduction in crashes four years post and four years uh, uh, prior. There's been a net reduction in crashes, yeah, by 21.5%. But then when you look at over, over citywide over the same time period, they've increased 8.5%. So there's a net 30% improvement in um, injury crashes. Uh, since the road diet's implementation. Right, and when we get to severe injuries, we've reduced 33%. Four years over four years, and I, I don't quite remember off the... And statewide, I mean, citywide, up it's 12%, 12% severe injuries over the yeah. same time period. Now, we will add the caveat, just to be completely accurate, you know, the caveat is that's a very small sample size. But that's why it's so important to look at the data from a broader lens, because... All of these corridors, and this is why um, this is why road diet truthers are so good at doing it, because do you, all of these. So they're so good at placing doubts about each corridor because each corridor separately is a small sample size. So that's why you have to look at broader sample sizes. Like then you look at okay, Colorado Boulevard had a road diet. I don't remember what the numbers are, but significantly safer. You know, York Avenue road diet significantly safer. And then you look at Severin Martinez's um, award-winning study on road diets, just Los Angeles-specific road diets, it showed that there was a 36% reduction in injury crashes compared to the control corridors. And that's not surprising because, look, we're 30%. Severin Martinez's study is 36%. And then when you look at what the Federal Highway Administration is saying, they're saying it's 19 to 47%, you know, which the median is right around 34%. So you can pretty much looking at a sample size of many thousands that you're going to reduce crashes and injuries by about a third. Now, to put that in perspective, if you reduce crashes by a third in Los Angeles County, you would have 20,000 people not going to the ER every year. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's 200,000 people every decade if we reduced injury crashes just by 33%. Yeah, that really puts it in perspective. That's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. It is, I mean, to have a public health outcome like that, public health experts would be jumping for joy if they could reduce cancer by 33%. So why isn't that just a slam dunk there? Why don't you just walk into the meeting, say 36%, and everybody just goes home? Well, because, you know, I think it's those terms you're saying, because we've got, you know, the opponents are, are uh, traffic safety deniers, as we like to call them, or as uh, Terrence calls them, the word diet truthers. Um, who well, the anti-vaxxers who, really uh, who, who, who like to, you know, they, they play some funny games with these numbers. So, um, for instance, we can look at, uh, you know, we can look at these numbers that um, safe streets were still really worth throwing out. Um, some of the things that they did to arrive at the was to make it seem as if safety had not improved um, uh, were they actually took, they actually um, didn't just use the data from the road dieted section of Rowena. They actually went east uh, or west of Hyperion, um, which was never part of the road diet. And they got a bunch of numbers from there. They um, also used incorrect dates. The road diet was established for New Rowena on um, March 11th. And they actually start from the beginning of the year. On their data, and this is actually also a flaw. And we'll get to this. Um, we can talk about this too. Um, the uh, CD4 study that was done through Kimmy Horn 
um, to look at road diet, the Rowena and actually some of the uh, some of the side streets uh, around Rowena. Uh-huh. So they, when did they misrepresent this? Was this just at the well, meeting? Well, they really did this initially in their down. They also did a couple other things, which uh, uh, Terrence might want to talk about as well in terms of small sample size. Yeah, so th- there was there was a local um, Silver Lake uh, member of the neighborhood council who made it his obsession to get the road diet overturned and was a vocal, uh, an early uh, supporter of David Ruse, so therefore has an outsized voice in the council office. Um, and he did his own research of the Switters data and came up with uh, a number that was uh, crazy, like, you know, pedestrian, pedestrian injuries had increased by, by 70%, something like that. I'm talking a little bit off the top of my head, but I mean, like, it was something like really, like, bold letter, like, wow, that's much more dangerous. Now, what he didn't say was the sample size is less than flipping a coin annually. Do you think that you could draw a conclusion from flipping a coin annually over whether something was true or not true, but it's so much worse than that because he actually even included a pre-road diet crash in the post-road diet data, which made it go from a 70% increase to a 10% decrease in pedestrian injury. Hmm. So that's like, you know, illustrates how small those sample sizes were. And that's also what I was mentioning earlier is that that's why it's so important to draw back and look at a, a macro lens, which is what, the, what the, the road diet truthers do not want to do. They want to constantly talk about how this, this corridor is different from the study. Right. Which yeah. is also, oh. uh, in, terms of, in terms of sample size, too, which is why when you start looking at Rowena or Colorado, um, which have been around for a while now, um, you start to see the numbers really start to hew towards... Um, what we see as um, the average that you see from the federal Yeah, they'll go to the average. Like, over time, they will go to the average. Mm-hmm. So what's the deal now? I, I think you have the so-called road diet, and it's... Can you describe it? I think you may have already um, described it, but it's it's like yeah, one yeah, lane. Yeah, sure, sure. It's one lane. So, so basically, uh, yeah, it's a, basically... Um, uh, Rowena now, and this is the section between uh, Hyperion and as I said, uh, Lakewood, or where Lakewood turns into Glendale Boulevard. Um, Which is about, how, how long is that? Like a, two miles? It is a half mile. No, not even. Half mile. Okay, that is small. It's, a, it's, a small, it's not a large stretch. Um, uh, so basically right now we've got um, one lane of vehicle traffic in each direction, uh, bike lane in each direction, and a center turn lane. Now, the center turn lane has been pretty helpful for people who are driving. Um, before then, um, there were quite a few collisions for uh, just even amongst parents driving their kids to Ivanhoe Elementary, um, trying to make the left turn to get into, into the uh, uh, drop-off line. Um, and just to be clear, you know, the purpose of the road diet was not to add in bike lanes. You know, if you quote the engineers from L.A. Dot, the purpose is improved street safety. Mm-hmm. Just if you look at the studies, a, a four to three lane road diet, meaning going from two lanes in each direction to I'm mean, going from yeah two lanes in each direction to one lane in each direction with a center turn lane, you're left over with extra road space. Now they could add a much wider sidewalk, but that would cost what is it a million dollars per mile or two million dollars per mile to put in. So instead, they choose to stripe in in, in bike lanes. Uh, because they have leftover road space. 
But, you know, for the engineers and for the safety experts, the purpose is never to put in bike lanes. That is just icing on the cake. Road diets themselves make all road users, people walking, people driving, and people biking safer. It's not just some sort of plot to get bike lanes installed. And because there's such like a, a small percentage of cyclists, because L.A. is so gosh darn dangerous to ride a bike in, um, they continue, the, the road diet opponents continuously want to paint it as, as this conspiracy of the 1%. You know, because one percent of you know Los Angeles uh, commuters ride a bike, which also is a crappy metric, but we could talk about that another time. Hmm. Um, so they want to paint it as hijacking road space for for cyclists, because they know that is a an unpopular way to frame it for road diets. Hmm. Whereas they don't want the information to get out that it's just much safer for all road users, and that there is no conspiracy, and it's also the only thing that LA DOT can afford to do to increase safety by 30%. So think about this for a second. We have 7,500 miles of roads in Los Angeles. LA DOT, through a rigorous process, has identified uh, uh, 40 different corridors that are the most dangerous high-injury network corridors in Los Angeles, right? Mm -hmm. And that's called, you know, the high-injury network. That is Vision Zero. Vision Zero is a data-driven process to identify the most dangerous streets and then correct them so that we stop having this carnage. And, and so how much does it cost to install a, 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 tra- a traffic light? Was it a quarter million to half a million dollars? Mm-hmm. You look at the cost to add different road improvements, and you may be able to protect one intersection and make it safer by adding a traffic light. But for sixty dollars or $70,000 per mile, you can stripe in a road diet, and it's free if you're resurfacing the road at the same time. So... And if you're going to be spending millions of dollars for one corridor, then you're taking those resources away from another high-injury corridor, which is why road diets are so important because they're so cost-effective. They are literally like the magic bullet to save lives in Los Angeles, and, and, and opponents have successfully branded them as social engineering, um, and they want to you know, keep, on, keep sure. on creating doubt. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you know, and... Um, I kind of want to flip the discussion a little bit now because we keep talking about the opponents and, and how they've dominated the uh, conversation in, to a degree. Um, and sort of talk about what we've been doing. Um, right. Because we've actually, I think, I would hope, I'm hoping, have actually now started to do a fairly good job of getting a different message out there. And, and I want to cite something actually that um, has been said now amongst that I've now seen and heard uh, from proponents, people who are really supportive of the road diet. And these are not people who normally would have actually even started writing letters. We've started a huge email campaign that's really gotten the attention of David Rue at CD4. Um, and one of the things that was written in one of these emails, which I really liked, had to actually do with the bike lanes. And what it said, and this is from a parent at Ivanhoe, and what, this, what it actually said was, I actually really like the bike lanes, and it's not just because I bike, because I actually don't bike. What I like about them is they've created an added buffer yeah. between cars and my child on the sidewalk. And it's helped to slow down the speeding of the cars along Rowena. So 
you know, the bike lanes are great. And I think, and truthfully, I think people who do ride bikes on it, and I am one of those people, as is my son, appreciate having them. Um, but they're not just for people on bikes. They actually are there to help um, pedestrians, to help people crossing the street, because they do help to slow down the traffic, and they do help to make drivers more attentive. Mm-hmm. And the way that the woman, so, so you know, also uh, 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 one piece of information about the road diet has been that it was, it was that was another big talking point of the opponents is that it was it was rushed in. They didn't do proper community outreach. So first, I just want to say, like, yes, there was six years of community outreach, and we document all of those meetings on Keep Rowena Safe. Um, uh, darn it, I forgot my point because it was gonna it was gonna <laughs> it was gonna jump on it was gonna jump on Scott's point and and, and keep okay. it positive. <laughs> well, let's, let's actually uh, yeah, we'll, let's actually sort of talk about. Um, why don't we talk about sort of how we've been, you know, pushing this forward? Because we really started. So, sort of what happened is that um, the Silver Lake Neighborhood Council, in conjunction with uh, David Rue, who's our council member in CD4, um, in order to, um, I think, well, I'm not actually. I'm not going to even conjecture. They want. They decided they wanted to fund a study of Rowena, in particular in light of there have been uh, complaints of cut-through traffic on two streets and and Waverly. Um, So they wanted to actually do it. They quote what the study was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a study of what was causing the cut-through traffic on Angus and Waverly. What the study became was an attempt to propose ways to undo the road diet. Hmm. Um. So well, how did why would it become that? I'm well because that was well we can conjecture. Um, uh, I don't live in CD4. I can conjecture. My conjecture, you can is conjecture. That, my my conjecture is that a very public important supporter of David Rue in a vital part of uh, his running for was James O'Sullivan fixed the city. And fixed the city lives in CD4 and um miraculously after, uh, by the way, uh, I'm not saying anything like out of turn. Um, James O'Sullivan is featured prominently under David Rue, um, you know, supporters on his campaign webpage that you can look up today. Or you know, I have screen caps because that's the kind of person I am. Um, and so, you know, the head of Fix the City has been is uh, Fix the City sued to stop the mobility plan 2035. They're the leading anti-housing, anti you know safe streets organization. Although Keep LA Moving is trying to catch up to them. And then, of course, we have. Anyway, they won't get off track. But so uh, David Rue very much owes his political power and his political support to the people who are the most anti-street safety. Mm. And so uh, that pretty much explains it, why he would be having... Let's try to be charitable to him now. I think that he was hearing one side of the story from his supporters repeatedly, and he thought that that was the whole story. And perhaps he should have done a better job of finding out the other side of the story, like the three people who spoke at the Road Diet Town Hall spoke in favor of it. How many? Because you just sometimes you drop out for a sec. Sorry, uh, two out of three. So uh, 50 people people spoke in favor, 25 people uh, spoke against the Road Diet. And, of course, public forums being public forums, 25 people spoke about something completely unrelated. Uh But out of the people who addressed the Road Diet... Two out of three supported the road diet. 
uh, from the local community who spoke. Right. Indeed. So, um, so to discuss this study that was done. So, okay, I don't want to get into all of the logistics of it, but basically we got wind that this study was what was going to be in the study. Basically, um, in addition to, they had had some, first of all, there were proposals for both Angus and Waverly to address the cuts in traffic that was occurring there, um, independent of anything to do with Rowena. Um, the study also, while looking at traffic patterns, did not draw, could not draw any causality um, between Rowena. The road and diet and cut traffic. traffic. Right. Wait, so um, the road diet was not causing what? It basically, it, it, it didn't show that there was a cause. It didn't show that there wasn't a cause. It just didn't show anything, truthfully, about the relationship of Rowena to um, either Angus or Waverly. What we do know about Rowena is that in terms of the number of the throughput, the number of cars passing through Rowena um, during, uh, based on data from LA DOT, is that before the number of cars before the road diet and the number of cars after the road diet is, depending on which intersection you're looking at, has either remained the same or has actually increased. So their throughput may have actually increased after the road diet. Huh. So, so once again, Rowena may be carrying more cars with three lanes, yes, than it was with four. Hmm. So, so um, in terms of cut-through traffic, that would strongly indicate that Rowena would not be the cause of uh, cut-through traffic. This is not mentioned at all, actually, in the study that was performed for CD4. When you're saying cut-through um, traffic, you're talking about... Traffic that goes through the neighborhood? Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. So we're talking about cut through. So uh, Angus Street and uh, Waverly are both uh, neighborhood streets um, that run roughly, Waverly more so than Angus, roughly parallel to Rowena. But they're small, they're, they're narrower streets. Mm -hmm. um, so when you, when you put the road diet in, this is a big argument against. Uh, whenever this is done. This is an argument that's used often is that it's going to cause, you know, Carmageddon on our local neighborhood streets. Um, we can look at the... Re Nobody's actually looked at what is causing the actual cut-through traffic on either of these streets. Um, we do know that cut-through traffic is has increased throughout the city, um, all throughout any of these any streets that are, are... If you look at the valley, if you look at... Um, Instance Woodcliffe and Sherman Oaks, um, or for that matter, Skybach and Sherman Oaks, where there's a lot of cut through um, getting up to Mulholland uh, um, and over the hill. Um, so, any of these, anywhere you look in LA, you're going to see an increase in cut through traffic. You even look at closer to us, Atwater Village, for instance, um, which has now got, you know, which started a whole road sign thing, uh, yard sign thing to uh, for drivers to slow down because they've been cutting through uh, streets in Atwater to get between, usually it's between Glendale Boulevard to get to Los Feliz Boulevard. So cut-through traffic all over the city has increased. Mm -hmm. And and couldn't you, if if a road diet were causing cut-through traffic or even if it weren't, well, couldn't you put put things in that would stop the cut-through traffic? Absolutely, Absolutely. and I, I think that's the point. 
Second. You want to go over for it, Terrence? <laughs> Sure, you know, uh, I think I think Mitch O'Farrell just showed that in CD13 that it's extraordinarily easy to address those problems. So Baxter Street, which is famous in Echo Park for being one of the steepest streets in Los Angeles, uh, you, there's pictures online of like limos getting stuck at the top of it. Um, Waze was sending people on Baxter as a shortcut, wow. um, especially on Dodger game days, and so what they did was they simply made Baxter one way. Um, in both directions, meaning that if you're at the top of Baxter, you have to go one way. One, uh, you know, you have to go either east or west. Uh, you can't go both ways on Baxter. Um, this is one of the suggestions that was put forth by LA Dot in 2015 to address cut through traffic on Angus, which is one of the two roads Scott was addressing. And um, all that was required to get that that fix. Well, first they were going to put in. I want to be accurate. First they were going. They were suggesting putting in restricting turns at rush hour. Um, and since that's such a, a, a low-cost, easy alternative, they start with, you know, they start with the least um, serious uh, implementation, and then they go up from there. So uh, there was a safety walk after the town hall in 2015 in which Tim Promo, the LA.engineer, engineer, recommended turn restrictions on Angus. Now, all that was required to install those turn restrictions and, and, and stop cut-through traffic going through the neighborhood uh, is the local um, area around Angus would have to sign a petition to LA Dot agreeing to that, that, that they want this change, just show that the neighborhood wants this change. Mm-hmm. And this is what's super shocking, is the, the road diet opponents on the neighborhood council told LA Dot, no, we don't want to do that. It's too arduous a process to gather signatures, and literally two weeks later, they were gathering signatures to overturn the road diet on Halloween. So the people who are claiming cut-through traffic is the mantle for safety problems in Silver Lake blocked the the cut-through traffic improvements in Silver Lake. Mm -hmm. And we have it all documented in emails. you, You can't make this crap up. Why were they the only ones who could have gotten the petitions for... For the the turn restrictions, well, well they happened, did it in secret. Well, what had happened was in terms of doing the uh, petitions for the turn restrictions, um, it was decided that there should just be a couple of point people to do it. Um, and what do you mean, this point, point people, people with LA dot? So with essentially, dot sort of yeah, the opponents. Start, yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so it's basically three opponents, and, I, and I was just to correct one thing. Um, of those three people, one was on the Civil Council at the time. Um, two others were residents on Angus. Um, those two residents since became, since after, within six months, were then on the Civil Road Council. Okay. So at the time that, so at the time that they were supposed to collect, oh, there was only one Civil Road Council member at the time. Yes, but so these four there people were two, essentially there two convinced. Ones. Yeah, they convinced the pro-safety road diet supporters that um, after the town hall, they pretended to have a kumbaya moment and once they knew they weren't going to win because the community supported the road diet. <laughs> it's, it's so shocking. They literally got the Silver Lake um, uh, safety proponents that, that support the road diet to agree that there should only be two people communicating with L.A. Dot on Angus safety improvements and those should be the two people who live on Angus, 
Even though those two people were against the road diet, everybody was talking about coming together and working together to improve the safety on the side streets. And then those two people and two other people had a secret meeting with L.A. Dot that they did not tell the rest of the neighborhood council about, in which they told L.A. Dot to stop the turn restrictions. And we have the emails from the L.A. Dot engineers who had no idea that this had been done in secret. Is there legal? Is there anything you can do legally? Uh, that's tenuous, to say the least. <laughs> um, I don't know, because we, we haven't wanted to get into a he said, she said argument in North Silver Lake over who has character and who doesn't. We've been wanting to leave the story about, look, I mean, you know, this is another piece of great news from, from the road diet. The, the, the percentage of kids walking and biking to Ivanhoe Elementary increased by 50%. Oh. Moms know when their kids are safe. The, the right. road so, feels so much safer. Mm-hmm. And so, so, by, so by messaging that way, instead of arguing over, you know, secret meetings with L.A. Dot, it just it, it seems more politically achievable. Right. Yeah. People sort of will start will sort of get start tuning out or actually being turned off when we start getting into you know the minutia of all the politics involved. But they want to hear is that safer, and they can see that, and they can observe how much better the road is working. And quite frankly, now that we're five years in, there are parents there, you know, particularly parents going to Ivanhoe at this point, because it's a basically, you know, it's K through five. So we've got a whole new generation of parents that are now going through there. We haven't known where we does anything but how it exists now. And they certainly don't want it changed. Um, and you start talking to them. So, so let me get into a little bit about this, uh, what the study came up with as in terms of proposals for arena. So they came up with four... They call them options. Um, and, not, and so the first option was to leave the current configuration, leave the road diet as is. Okay, um, this is the David Moon Commission the study. Okay. So, so, right. yeah. so, so to add, and so we've got option one, leave the road diet as it is, add some more safety and traffic common features, such as bulb outs, such as they've talked about adding um, one or two more uh, a marked crosswalks, in particular in places where people actually do cross anyhow. These are actually right now unmarked crosswalks, but still legal crosswalks, um, just to help increase the safety and the visibility of that people will be crossing at these uh, intersections. Um, so that is option one. Then they come up with option two. Now, Terrence, you happen to have it in front of you, because I'm trying to remember exactly how each option works. Option I don't have in front of me, but just the other three options are ripping out the road diet. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and adding so, in and, and I, additional I lanes. I can go through each permutation, but I don't know exactly how each option lines up. So the next option was to remove both bike lanes. And here's a, here's a, here's a real interesting thing. Because, everybody, because drivers really like having the turn lane, they would only add one more lane of traffic, vehicle traffic, and that would be uh, one lane going eastbound. Um, so we would basically have no bike lanes, but an extra vehicle traffic lane. Um, and that people did not let, you know, when we start talking about people, are like, no, 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 you have to keep the bike lanes. That's the first thing people say. And these are parents at Ivanhoe. These are parents at Camelot Kids, which is also on Ivanhoe, which is a preschool, or, which is also an arena, which is also a preschool. These are just um, people who know the street. 
they want those bike lanes now. They like them. Like I said, they like them as a buffer. They like them because they know that their neighbors ride on it. They know that some kids ride on it. They don't want those going away. They see the safety benefit. Um, that's one option. Another option they had was to then just remove one bike lane on one side of the street and parking on one side of the street. So you would now have um, one side. Um, you have one side of the street where you would have parking and a bike lane, and another side of the street where there would just be two lines, two lanes of vehicle traffic. And as soon as you start talking about removing parking, businesses really don't like that. Mm-hmm. And there are quite a few businesses on our arena, and they certainly do not want to lose that parking. And again, nobody wants to lose a bike lane. They're proposing a sharrow instead. And um, we don't know how much. And a thirty-five mile per hour uphill road. Ah. Yes, we don't. We really don't. Yeah. So that's again, nobody's. We present that to people, and again, they're just like, you can't do that. And then the best one yet was the last option, which I know is option four because it came up later, and they actually added this one as another option, and um, and this one was to actually remove was to actually, um, again, replace bike lanes with sharrows, and then, during rush hour, to actually remove parking on both sides of the street. So we would lose parking during um, the morning rush hour and the evening rush hour. Businesses, again, don't like using the parking, and that would actually restore uh, two lanes of vehicle traffic on both ends, going both ways. Now, here's the problem. So... Rush hour is also the time that most parents are walking their kids to school, or kids are walking themselves to school for some of the older kids. And with that, again, we've now got no buffer against the sidewalk. We've got cars speeding right up against the sidewalks. You tell that to parents, they lose their minds. They absolutely do not want that. So this is sort of, so once these proposals came out, we had some really strong talking points about this is what they want to do to the street. And we went out, and we just started talking to parents. We made flyers. We started talking to parents at Ivanhoe. And we've got parents at Ivanhoe now who are working with us who actually went into uh, school meetings on safety and started talking about this. We had parents who went and talked to the principal about this. And we actually now have a letter from the research principal of Ivanhoe supporting uh, the road diet and and, uh, and keeping Rowena in the current configuration because she knows that it has increased safety for her students. Um, we've got a letter from Renee Plant, who is the director of Camelot Kids. Again, the preschool. She talked about Rowena before the Row Diet when she witnessed collisions. When she said, you know, where she. Outright states she was afraid for the parents who were dropping their kids off. She was afraid for the kids. So and so she is absolutely dead set against any changes to the configuration on Rowena. And the more we talked about it, the more people realize that they like Rowena as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's one other important point uh, about that I forgot earlier that, that came back to me about also why these adding an extra lane into a two lane going in one direction configuration. So, like I said, uh, the meetings about, you know, having a road down in Rowena started in 2006, and there was a tremendous amount of community outreach. Um, Finally, in December 2011, Tom LeBonge, who was the council member at the time prior to David Rue, 
made an official council motion for LADOT to explore a road diet. And four months later, while LADOT was studying it, a young woman died crossing the street. Mm-hmm. And that was the tipping point, I believe, that made that study, you know, get the implementation in. So about 12 months later, 11 months later, after um, Ashley Sandow, a, a young woman crossing the street, 24 years old, in front of her father, uh, was killed. And let me talk about the configuration that killed her for a second. So what we often see, and it's happened to all of us at one time or another, is as you're crossing a four-lane road, the car, the, the car in the first lane stops. The car in the second lane stops. The car in the right. third lane stops. And a car in the third lane that is speeding, which is the fast lane on the other side, goes swerving around the car that stopped for you into the fourth lane. And that's how she got killed. Mm-hmm. Because we all know when there's no turn lane, what speeders do is they start playing, they, they start, you know, weaving. Mm-hmm. So when someone is taking a, a left turn, they're blocking the fast lane, quote unquote. And so people no, the, who uh, want to speed... I was going to say, in the case of Ashley Sandow, the cars had actually stopped because she was crossing. She, they stopped because she was crossing. Yep. Yes. Three, car, three cars had stopped in three lanes, and then someone swerved around a stopped car and hit her going at a high rate of speed and killed her. And that is literally impossible to happen today on Rowena. It has been engineered out of the, out of the possible deaths because there's only one lane going in each direction. You only have to look in one direction as you're crossing the street at a time without worrying about a car swerving around in the car. And if three of those four um, David Rue study, you know, implementations were to happen, you would be reintroducing the exact way that Anshley Standow died. Right. And, and let's talk a little bit about um, Rowena, what this half mile has on it in terms of businesses and schools. So on Rowena, we've got Ivanhoe Elementary, Camelot Kids, we've got four or five restaurants, um, we've got a, a coffee shop, we've got um, uh, also several apartments um, and condominiums, retail uh, boutiques, townhouses, but the thing is that, you know, you've got a lot of businesses there that are going to, you know, that bring foot traffic and people who are going to be crossing this road. And you know, having those four lanes of cars just speeding along it just creates a dangerous situation. Now it's a lot safer. And now, you know, we've seen, as we've said, we've seen a large reduction in collisions and injury collisions um, and severe injury collisions. So, um, you know, we've got now we've got a street that has a life to it, that has restaurants has people out at night it's it's actually really made it a very pleasant street mm-hmm. yeah it's starting to feel like larchmont instead of a traffic sewer dumping traffic to the five freeway in between hollywood and the valley isn't livability isn't there a direct when they look at livability in cities isn't there like an inverse relationship to like the speed of cars and the, and the, I don't have the data on that, I'm but just it certainly that. feels that way. I would just yeah, certainly. That. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, if we look at Hyperion, which is a street that intersects Rowena, um, that's got 
four lanes or two lanes in each direction. And I will say it is often backed up like you wouldn't believe at rush hour for at least a mile or at least or certainly a half mile, sometimes a mile back up on that street, despite everything. By the way, at the same time, Rowena is generally moving uh, smoothly without any, without the same backup. Um, but if you look at the businesses on Hyperion, there's a certain part where there are, where actually, it's actually where there are a bunch of traffic lights and traffic cannot move that quickly. You do see some businesses, but as you travel down Hyperion to where there are fewer uh, stoplights, and traffic just speeds, and I mean speeds. Businesses cannot survive there. Mm-hmm. You, you see, I've seen numerous businesses come in and out. There's actually recently a shop that uh, my son loved that, uh, that sold international candies. So very strange, different candies from around the world, and he loved it. But it was on Hyperion, down towards the area where there were no, there's no way to cross. He could never really get there, mm-hmm. and it was it was a nightmare to get there, and it did not last. Mm-hmm. And so businesses are, what? Where are the businesses on this? And I heard that I heard uh, from Sean Meredith that uh, that one of these options was made just to scare people. That was actually the one that was uh, that I mentioned the last one with the uh, rush hour that was going to restore two lanes in each direction and eliminate parking during rush hour. So they get, they tell that you something one. really scary that nobody wants to sort of, that was, that was it. Nobody wanted that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that was definitely, uh, put out there. They're, they're the one that they were hoping to push through was the one that just limited, eliminated parking on one side of the street. And that also is, gotten no traction and quite frankly we're a little concerned that they're going to now try and switch and try and push to just removing all the bike lanes which again as i said we've now made the case that the bike lanes help improve safety for everyone including kids walking to school including pedestrians including uh so we've now made the argument sorry people entering their cars it feels so much better because when you're opening your car door into a bike lane Obviously, uh, hopefully carefully not hopefully boring anyone. Hopefully looking out for bikers. <laughs> yeah, hopefully looking out for bikers with a Dutch reach. Um, it, it's so much safer than opening it into a car in a, in a traffic going 45 miles an hour. Okay, so Dutch reach, that means opening with the left door with your right hand. Wait. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Yes, but, but, you know, just going from a restaurant on Rowena to the driver's side car door, you're not in a traffic lane with cars going 40 you're in a bike lane, mm-hmm. and it's easier to look out for the cyclist going 15, you know, and, and getting into your car safely than running out into that zone of death, um, getting in and out of your car. And we do know that a lot of residents have talked about how much more pleasant it is to get in and out of your car with the bike lanes there. Have you talked to the business owners? I mean, what are the, where are the business owners on this? The business owners um, do not want to lose that parking. I will tell you that. Um, and we've gotten, again... Uh, we've gotten quite a few business owners to write to David Ryu at CD4 to say that they support the current configuration, the road diet on Rowena, that, you know, we've had business owners actually write and say, we know what it was like before. It was not good. So, yeah, we have been reaching out to businesses, and there are, and I will say there are some business owners who do feel that it has 
maybe reduced some of their business. There are others who actually counter that argument and say the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some who say, you know, the construction period and the beginning as traffic patterns were changing, um, they saw a drop-off, but then it recovered, and now it's much better than it ever was. So which there may be... Coinc- which, actually, by the way, also coincided with the recession, I will add. Which, yeah, which also con- coincided with, yeah, the greatest the greatest um, um, economic meltdown in 80 years. But it's also such a small sample size, a half-mile road diet. But hasn't there, haven't there been a lot of studies done on what happens to businesses when there's bike lanes? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. the big one that's really, really overwhelming is the 7th Street protected lane in New York City. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, it was a shocking increase uh, in business in, they, in locally owned businesses, so small businesses especially, um, had, a, had, a, had a shockingly large increase in revenue compared to uh, the controls. So they weren't yeah, just, they you know... At, right. They did also do a study of York Boulevard, I believe, um, with the bike lanes as well. Uh, and I know that uh, New York, that was a fairly early, uh, it was fairly early into the implementation. So that showed, with that, that showed actually no difference when compared to the uh, control, but still it didn't show a decrease. And I, I suspect if they had actually waited to gather more data. Again, we're talking about small sample sizes when we only look at six months as opposed to five years. Um, they may have seen a different uh, conclusion. Mm-hmm. And, and coincidentally, I just emailed some UCLA academics today asking for them to have a graduate student study that very topic mm-hmm. because I wanted to know the York numbers revisited. And also, keep LA moving's big talking point, which is not surprising at all that this is their talking point because it can't be independently verified. Is that road diets kill small business, and then they claim um, that receipts are down at certain businesses, but of course, then it comes out that oh, well, that business was closed down because of rad violations for weeks um, prior to their closing. You know, for the public health department closing them for a few weeks. Um, is that, is that, was that the one on the, the Mar Vista? Um, uh, yeah, one on Venice. Yeah, one on Venice had, you know, had gotten shut down for rats a few times, I, uh, I, I believe. And uh, prior to making it very public, the road diet had killed their business. Yeah. So yeah. We, need this, we need this topic studied because we need people to look at gross receipts or tax receipts or, or whatever metric that they can study and see what is the truth behind this. And I'm really curious to see what it looks like three years out, five years out. Uh, what what it looks like? Which one? Um, in terms of how business is doing. Yeah, because oh, it really any, starts to feel like... Of any road. Yeah, yet. the business... Yeah, because, cause, cause, because you start to really start to get a sense of community as the street becomes calmer and more businesses move in. And so I believe there might be a shock or an adjustment period as traffic adjusts and people adjust to the new configuration. And then after that, it really seems like businesses improve. And maybe, and this is no consolation to the ones that are there, but it's a, it would be a new type of business that would thrive. It's possible. But, um, but we don't have that data. We just have small sample sizes right now. Um, we do know that I, I walked to the businesses. I spoke to them. Um, obviously, a, a small business having the potential to lose all the parking in front of their their strip in a commercial district where there's not a great deal of parking on 
uh, available, uh, you know, puts them into a panic. So, so it has not been hard to convert the vast majority of businesses to being supporters. Right. Um, yeah, the bike lane doesn't take away their parking. No, exactly. Bike lane doesn't take away. And so, so you're trying to look at it more positively. You're trying not to just be, I guess you would say, you know, you're just, you're not trying to, they love it when they, any, any media, any press is good publicity. Any publicity is good publicity for these road diet opponents, right? So, yeah. So you don't want to just make it all about them. No, we want them to fight on our ground. Why fight on their ground? I mean, obviously there's some talking points that we have to answer, but, um, you know, I think a really moving story we have on our website, because, you know, we end up having to create a website to counter the misinformation, is that there's a resident of Rowena that's lived there. Yeah, keeprowenasafe.com. There's a resident of Rowena who's lived there since 1997. His car was literally, true story, his car was totaled while parked on Rowena uh, way prior to the road diet. He and his friends always called it Rowena Raceway because of the crazy speeding going on in front of their apartment complex. And... Um, and he also owned a retail, a retail establishment on Rowena before the road diet, and it was hit four different times, mm-hmm. um, according to his landlord. That building had been hit four different times by cars that flew off of Rowena into the side of the building. Oh and God. we have photos of the last time it happened when he was the actual tenant of the building. And I'd also like to add that is the crosswalk to, to Ivanhoe Elementary School. Oh, my God. Wait. It is the crosswalk where dozens of children cross Every morning and every afternoon, four different times, cars left the road and hit the building, not the sidewalk. And you can see, if you look at Google Maps, there's three concrete pillars in front of the building to stop cars from flying through it, through the wall. And the last time, they missed the concrete pillars and went through the sidewall. Uh It's also across a side street from the preschool. The preschool is literally kitty corner, or, you know, just across the side street, from that building too. So when this you, is what Rowena was like. When you think about how hard it is to just have these sane uh, improvements happen, I mean, does it, is it, is you just constantly surprised by that? Well, so that's a really softball question. It's, it's, it's not really, is it surprising? No, I mean, look at LA. Um, all you gotta do is is tell someone we're gonna increase your commute time. That that's that's generally what they do. The opponents they'll say, well, it's added to commute times. People can't get home, which is not necessarily true. Um, in terms of the amount of time that it's gonna take to cross, this, you know, to traverse Rowena is probably added zero minutes. Uh, I actually do not know that we've ever studied that. I do know that that. Uh, as we said, more, at least the same, if not more, cars are actually traveling through Rowena than before the road diet, which would indicate that there's been no change in the commute time through it. But the worst case scenario is, is 90 but seconds. But everybody hates because... traffic. So. Mm-hmm. But, that... but they pretend that, they're, that the commute time isn't even on their list of, of reasons why they're against the road diet. Well, some people say the quiet part out loud. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and talk about their convenience and how valuable their time is. The worst-case scenario is, so, so when there's, in the middle of the night, it takes 90 seconds to, 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 to traverse Rowena in a car, the, the road diet. So at the middle of rush hour, it takes three minutes. 
Now, nobody did any data on whether it took three minutes before the road diet, but I can tell you it takes about three minutes now to go a half mile. Um, if you could say, I'm going to reduce my fellow citizens getting, you know, maimed, killed, permanently disabled by adding, you know, 30 seconds to my commute, you know, what type of person doesn't say yes to that who isn't a sociopath? Well, I think it's the ability to compartmentalize or to say that, you know, well, we don't know who's going to get hit. You know, we don't know the name of the person who's going to get killed. Uh, even though, you know, we know that, I mean, if, if you were to be able to believe in, in, in math, you know, uh, and then you would believe, then you would understand that someone's going to die because of your uh, convenience. Right. Yeah, and that goes back to your question, which is, you know, are we disappointed that, that, that this much effort is taken? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm appalled well, that know, it takes this much effort. But uh, if I can yeah. really fast, quick, make, make this point, a, a lot of it has to do with how the city of Los Angeles' government is set up. We have a weak mayoral ship. Not meaning, I'm not, I'm not talking about the mayor himself, I'm talking that he does not have leverage over individual city council districts. So each city council district is its own little emperor, and the, what the emperor says goes. And as you know this, I'm sure you do, if you have an anti-safe street city council member, such as, you know, Gil Cedillo, you are SOL, you're shit out of luck for five years until, you know, he leaves office or, or another time. So it would seem that, you know, where what Janet City Con in New York City accomplished so much under Mayor Bloomberg, you know, they have a much stronger uh, mayoral ship in the city charter of New York City. So he was able to to, to back her up and, and stuff these things through. So I think what we actually need to do is stop fetishizing local control and um, make it regional. Because these things, it, it's obvious public health benefits. It's obvious benefits for, for every other, you know, for, for alternative transportation and act transportation. I, there is no loss by doing these projects, except in the minds of the sociopaths. Right. And, and so let, we, let we have to have regional to, planning. Go ahead. There's a lot of sociopaths, I just want to say. Let me just add to that quickly, which is that um, one thing that makes me absolutely crazy is if you look at Rowena, if you look at Colorado, if you look at York, and we now we've got the data, and we've got a Vision Zero program that does not publicize this. Yeah, this is something that they should be, uh, I really feel, should be messaged, there should be messaging out there that shows and tells that these are success stories. These are not failures. You know, uh, 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 Keith L.A. Moving wants to label every road diet, a, road diet a failure planning. In fact, they are successes, and we should be getting the numbers out there. The fact that 33, that we have 21.5% reduction in injury collisions, 33% reduction in severe injury collisions, that is a good sell. And it may, and uh, you know, if you know, mayor's office is listening to me or LA dot guys, I want to see a billboard on Rowena publicizing that information. But yeah. I think what you bring up also comes back to the to the difficulty in the design of the city government because how if you were to be in charge of implementing these programs, what would be the most politically wise way to do this? And the wisdom would be to insert a protected bike network 
starting in downtown and then radiating out and then radiating from major transit stops. But because we have these 15 different council districts who all share equally and they all want to have their own ribbon cuttings, and I'm not judging them, they want to get reelected, uh, the resources get spread out in a way where it can't be needed. It can't be what? I did. It, sorry, you're going in out of me for a second. It, that it can't move the needle. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we should really have a protected bike lane network downtown, and then it should be able to move into Pico Union and MacArthur Park, and we should be able to go down Sunset Boulevard into Hollywood, right. and, and there should be a, 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 a network of protected bike lanes, but instead it's, it's a single project here, a single project here, a single project here. They're all spread out, and then you have someone like Gil Cedillo who is standing in between Hollywood and downtown L.A. and isn't allowing any bike infrastructure in his district. Mm-hmm. And instead, hey guys, we had Mike Bonin, who's a hero. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay, Scott. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to actually jump off right now, but uh, feel free to continue without me. Well, we'll, we'll probably just wrap it up, but thanks, Scott. And okay, thank you, we'll Scott. Talk again. Okay, bye. Bye. Great. Good. Yeah. So, Terrence... What uh, 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 I was just going to say that, that, that we have we have a political problem, and the, what what stimulated Keep LA moving is that we tried to do this network bicycle effect in a place that has very low um, population density. You know, far from where you're filled with car commuters. You know, Playa del Rey. Um, I can't imagine they have very high cycle commuting rates. There isn't a train running out there. There's no subway, and so Mike Bonin, who is a hero, that man. Uh, it's fabulous in every single way. But by trying this pilot project there instead of downtown or in Westlake or the places where we have tremendous density, we're kind of digging ourselves out of a hole. So why is that? Because there was a tremendous backlash in Playa del Rey. Oh, I know that. But, to get ripped. I know yeah, that. The, but, the, but you're saying that the, that wouldn't have happened if there had been more density? I'm saying that I don't think it would have happened had that network been put in downtown mm-hmm. or the areas in between. You know, right now, uh, smartly, they're putting, they just did, you know, my fig. So it's between USC and downtown, places with population density, a large employment density. Um, but we need a network effect. We can't just have a protected bike lane here and there. We need a network of protected bike lanes. And then we get moms out on bikes going to farmers markets. That's right. That's what, that's what we need. <clears throat> a network of protected bike lanes. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm super frustrated in working on a number of projects in my neck of the woods to improve multimodality. And the number of hoops that we have to jump through, and you know, this is all volunteer time, is, is, is shocking and, and disheartening, but there's no other choice. So we just sort of stick our head down and keep on walking forward. Or biking. So what is, or, or biking. Or taking public transit. So what, right. is, what is your day job? My day job is mostly stay-at-home dad right now. Oh, great. And you're doing bike yeah. dads? Um, I haven't done it in a while because uh, most of my advocacy time has been, stent, uh, has been spent as uh, I'm the Los Angeles Bicycle Advisory Committee member for CD13. And like oh, yeah. I said, we've been working on a number of projects. And so I can either spend that time, you know, doing the LA Bike Dad blog stuff or I can spend that time actually trying to get infrastructure put into the ground, which is what we're trying to do, or defending Rowena, which also took a tremendous amount of time. So you could use some help, right? 
we could definitely use some help. We're always looking for help. And I will say the LACBC is doing a great job lately of organizing. Um, not that they didn't do a great job before, but I'm more aware of it now. Um, where, uh, you know, they're having a neighborhood ambassador meeting. So if, you know, if you're on the west side, there's the west side ambassador meeting. If you are somewhere, you know, between Hollywood or Mid-City and downtown, I'm not sure of the exact borders, but the first Monday of every month downtown for, for my district, you know, the L.A., excuse me, the Los Angeles County Bike Coalition is hosting people from the same neighborhoods to all sort of um, start pulling in the same direction. And I think that's really going to start getting some traction. So if people are listening and they want to help, show up for those LACBC neighborhood ambassador meetings. Yeah. And if your neighborhood already has an ambassador, can they use another one or does it one per Yeah. So, so what, what they mean, like anybody is a neighborhood ambassador who wants improvements in their, in their neighborhood. Okay. So uh, we just want as many people from every region of the city. So in my central district, I just want, I'd love to see hundreds of cyclists show up for that meeting. Because then we have hundreds of people to go out and gather petitions to get a protected bike lane put on Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hundreds of people to talk to businesses. So there are bike ambassador meetings like what, once a month or so? Yes. Once a month they have bike ambassador meetings. Sure, you can email the LACBC for whatever region you're in for, for, for Central District. It's the first Monday of every month, uh, 6.30 p.m. Uh, down at the LACBC building. I believe that's on Spring Street. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a member, you should be already. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna let mine lapse. I think I didn't somehow set it to auto renew, so I better do that. Um, well, cool. Anything else you want to notify us about? We're gonna win. That's right. all I want to say. Because the only thing that the opponents have on the other side is more death and more traffic. So yeah. a lot of this stuff seems disheartening or like a heavy lift. We can't lose. Eventually, we will win. Because the story they're telling is a bad story. And, and, and once you put in some of, like when you put in road diets, especially if it's in a place where they really can use it, people don't want to lose it, like on Rowena. Right, absolutely. And there's so many other road diets that people don't even realize were put in because they weren't called road diets at the time and they weren't politically, you know, nuclear. There's so many places in the city that have had road diets, successful road diets, um, going back, I believe, to 1979. Wow. Um, so, yeah, and, and so is this just the way all streets sh- should be, road diets? Or is it just uh, in certain places I, should have? I, I can't answer that question. I, I'm sure that there are places that are better candidates for it than other places, but that's above my pay grade. <laughs> Um, I'm mostly just, uh, I'm lucky that because I'm in CD13, for some reason it attracts a much larger um, population of transportation planners than other districts. Hmm. I think because it's formerly streetcar neighborhoods, you know, Silver Lake and Echo Park, it attracts a lot of city planners. Hmm. And so um, uh, I have about 10 of them who live locally who are constantly in my ear about improvements. And so I try to maintain a sense of humility about what I know and just try to let the professional use me as an advocate for the policies that are grounded in data and good design and training that I do not have. Okay. Well, thanks for so thanks for being involved. That's so much. Thanks for thank you for for implementing the me- for um, amplifying the message. You're welcome. All right, and that's probably a good thing to know. Thank you. Thanks, Terrence. Good night. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months.
go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.